art can be as much a tool of entertainment and joy as it is a tool for survival. And that is what we learned today from Barry Lee, who used art to survive his life circumstances when he was younger and has now evolved into wielding it as his sword for love and education. On this episode of The Cultured Podcast, I can't wait for you to meet Barry and learn all about his deceptively optimistic art form. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world. You see how I switched that up on you today? I mean, I still sang, but, you know, just in different tune. Whatever. Hi, everybody! Welcome to the Cultured Podcast. I am just so happy, like, meeting you guys here every other week, regularly. Like, hi, we're back. It feels good, right? We're, like, in our flow again. And this week, we have a delishy interview with Barry Lee, He is a phenomenal human being who has embraced this idea of teaching the world around him and sort of being a mirror of emotion and vulnerability for the world around him. And I'll let him tell you more about that in just a tidbit. But first, let's talk about what's inspiring me this week. What's inspiring me this week is seeing your precious little creative babies come to life before your eyes. You know, in our line of work of producing a podcast or two, we have to do a lot of work for months before we see the fruits of our labor. And so when we finally are able to launch a podcast that we've been working on for months and months and months, there is actually no better feeling than seeing that come to life and being able to point people to the fact that you've been creating something pretty special for months. And often, because that's the nature of production and media, we're not really able to talk much about the things that we're working on until they're out in the world. So it's an ego boost, and it is a boost for our creativity. It's also a much-needed break from the ongoing rigor of production and listening to the same voice over and over and over in your head, although you do end up missing that voice. It's a weird relationship, admittedly. But anyway, fruits of your labor and seeing these creative projects come to be, there's not much that's more inspiring than that. It's like a thrill in and of itself. It's like an adrenaline rush. So yeah, we at the time of recording this episode right now are looking at the launch of Hidden Voices by the Georgia Council on Developmental Disabilities. So by the time you listen to this episode, you're able to listen to every single episode in Hidden Voices. And you can drop us a line at info at culturedpodcast.com or at frequency.media, F-R-Q-N-C-Y, to tell us what you think of Hidden Voices. We're super proud of it. All right. Speaking of pride and culture and everything good in this world, even when it's deceptively optimistic, let's talk to Barry.
Welcome, Barry. Thank you. The Barry Lee ladies and <laughs> gentlefolk. Okay? Hi. Hi. <laughs> You're somewhat of a legend in Atlanta. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, so before we launch into it, yeah. Barry, why don't you tell the Cultured Crew who you are and what your art form is? Cool. Um, well, hi, I'm Barry Lee. Um, I've lived in Atlanta probably about 10 years now, so a while. Long story short, I'm an artist. I dabble in a lot of things, uh, murals and painting and illustration. I also have a podcast and I'm also public speaking. So I do a lot. I like to just say multidisciplinary artist to encapsulate it in a bubble. I like to call someone like you a hyper-creative yes. because I feel like if we were to go into your brain, we would see synapses firing at all times. Absolutely. Looking to create, create, create. Absolutely. So, you know, your art forms, particularly your painting, which is what you're known for here mm-hmm. in Atlanta most, is like your paintings, your murals, really joyous on the surface, yes. really meant to uplift, yes. but very deep yes. and filled with a lot of meaning. Absolutely. And it makes me feel like maybe that's your way of processing the world around you and your life of experiences and getting this form of expression out there. Yeah. So tell us, when did you start drawing yeah. and painting? So I started drawing when I was three. Wow. I and, knew it was um, like really young. Yeah, so really young. And so I was born with a very rare syndrome called Nogler's syndrome about... Um, Medically recorded about 90 cases in the world. Ever. Ever. To this day. Medically recorded. So that doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean that there's 90 cases. There's just misdiagnoses and things like that. So I had a lot of surgeries as a kid as a result of that. And through that, I was drawing. And so I would just literally watch Sesame Street and draw what was on there. You know, my parents really nurtured that, which I'm very thankful for. And also, you know, art was a form of sort of self-defense, you know, away from being bullied. Mm. So if I could be known as an art kid, my own disabilities, my own deafness, my own me having eight fingers, me having a craniofacial difference Mm -hmm. from other people would be kind of diluted. Now, I mean, I grew up in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So somebody who has a facial difference and who has eight fingers is already pretty like, (laughs) boom, Mm -hmm. very different from anybody else. So I was treated very sympathetically, but I didn't really know that I was treated sympathetically until I moved away from there. Oh, wow. So, you know, when I moved here in Atlanta to attend school and to start my own career, I started to recognize the wrongdoings of sympathy, the underlying ignorance of people that isn't necessarily known in their own psyches sometimes. Sometimes we don't know that we're ignorant. We're just born ignorant. Absolutely. And that's um, maybe the most um, dangerous yes, part of it yes. is, is the lack of awareness. Yes, the yeah. lack of awareness for your ignorance. You know, that was something to unpack. So I create things that are very colorful to talk 
about accessibility. Um, they are accessible to everyone. But at the end of the day, the more you read into it, you understand that there is much more to the colors and much more to the quote-unquote simple designs and happy quote-unquote faces than meets the eye. What makes a piece of art accessible versus inaccessible? Yeah. For me... A piece of art that is accessible is easy to digest. (laughs) It's in terms of as simple as a stop sign, right? You know a stop sign is red. Red means stop. Oh, I love that example. A stop sign doesn't have like a bunch of lines on it. It is just red and type. That's accessible. So even if you maybe can't read, you know about the red. That's fascinating because, you know, I immediately, when we started talking about accessible versus inaccessible, in my mind, all art is accessible from a fundamental level, right? It's self-expression. Somebody else made it. It should be accessible to all. However, the way that we frame art and the art industry in itself has made so much of art inaccessible. Yes. It's like sold the story to people that like, oh, you won't get it. Right. I'm like, there's nothing to get. Right. There's just feelings to feel. Yeah. Right? So it's interesting because it's more about breaking down the barriers around what we think is made for us. Yes. Absolutely. And (laughs) I've been really thinking lately, it's like, I'm not only an artist, I'm an educator. And being an educator means helping people digest things and take them in small bites and like step by step by step. And a lot of my work, I do my best to be accessible so that people can have a better understanding of somebody's life that's different from them. Why is it important for you? to focus on that accessibility of art and to be that educator? Um, Because I never grew up with anybody who had my story, especially as a queer person throwing that into the mix. I didn't get that representation. And now we live in a time where accessibility and queerness and all of this stuff is like, quote unquote, popular. But at the end of the day, like the next fad is going to come and I'm still going to be a queer and I'm still going to be disabled. Yep. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to still be here doing my thing. But we are in a time now which people can share more of their stories. I think there's room for everyone in the table for that. Mm -hmm. So I can tell my story as a queer disabled person and another queer disabled person can tell their story. And it's totally different from mine. Totally different. (laughs) Totally different. It also has allowed me to recognize that I'm not alone in the world. Mm. My first mural that I ever did was for a show at a coffee shop in Atlanta called Octane Coffee. And it was a blank wall. And I asked the owner, I was like, do you mind if I paint the wall? Because I painted the wall to provoke a feeling. So the mural was a bunch of creatures hiding in bushes staring at you. Because anytime that I'm getting a coffee, there's a good chance somebody's staring at me. I decided to do another show because that was in demand at the time. And it was a show called How Nice, which was over in a DIY space called Murmur Mm -hmm. on Broad Street, downtown Atlanta. And I told people that it was a photography show, but nobody believed me. No. Yeah. Like literally people didn't believe you? People were like, oh, it's going to be like one photo. And so I only released two photos from the show. 
So and nobody I knew. This too. Yeah, nobody knew that it was all photography and all film and all performance and no sort of like I'm painting or anything mixed. like that. What? And because what I wanted was the psychological shock yes. of being taken away from your comfort zone. Mm. Because I get taken away from my comfort. I don't know what I'm going to enter any day of my life. Yes. If, if somebody's going to ask me about my hearing aid, ask me about the way that I look, anything like that. I was like, how can I do that? And the running theme from, you know, that mural at Octane, that first mural, and the show that I did is, is provoking a feeling and it's educating people. Mm-hmm. And that's my goal. And now... You know, I'm very fortunate to be able to have more projects that align with those goals. And, you know, I want to take the corporate clients if they align with my own personal beliefs and things like that. But I'm finding more of an audience, you know, around the world more and more. So I'm creating more work that is a little bit more of a bite, you Mm -hmm. know, and a little bit more upfront. Do you think that's reflective of your own journey and gaining more and more confidence in who you are, how you feel at any given moment, and just giving yourself permission to just be this whole human? Oh, absolutely. I was scared half to death about how nice because it was my first time really being open about my queer identity. And that was the photography. Yes, and that was the photography show. So, yeah, once I really, I mean, really, it was a coming out of being disabled and coming out as being a queer and those two facets colliding. Mm-hmm. It was me maturing, you know, coming into my young adulthood at that time. That's amazing. And it's exciting to hear. I mean, anytime I'm sitting down with an artist who is feeling more firm and confident in who they are, and thus you can see those evolutions in their art form, that is just exhilarating to me. Absolutely. I think it's a joy for any of the fans of your art to witness. Yeah. And an honor, right? Yeah. Like, we get to witness each other's evolution as humans. And I don't think we totally are as appreciative as we could be for that. I totally agree. And and I don't ask my audience, you know, well, what would you like to see? Because I know there are certain artists who are like, well, would you like to see a bag from me? <laughs> or would you like to see a T-shirt from me? I'm like, I don't, I don't give my audience an option <laughs> because... You're growing with me. Mm-hmm. Every human grows. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if I'm going to feed you enough, you're going to eventually get used to it. Mm-hmm. We might not like broccoli at first, and then we end up liking broccoli. <laughs> I you love know? me some broccoli, okay? Right. So art has been a running theme and friend yeah. in your life since you were very, very young. So when did you first really start considering yourself an artist? Oh, I mean, I definitely considered that when I was, like, middle school. Really? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because, like you said, that was that label that you embraced because you're like, this is the identity I can embrace to mitigate other people's Absolutely. And I definitely own that title more now, now that I know that it's not as limiting as maybe I thought it was at the time because— Now I'm like, oh, I can write and still call myself an artist. I can, you know, do these certain things and still label myself as an artist. I can teach and still call myself an artist. Mm -hmm. So what role do you think art initially played in your life versus the role it plays in now? 
How has that role Mm. changed? Yeah, good question. At that time, you know, as a child, I used art as survival, Mm. right? And now I use it as more of a strength. Mm. You know, I think at the time I used it as survival out of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And now using it more out of love. So that's strength. That's powerful. And, you know, my therapist told me we either live in love or fear. Yeah. And I've lived a lot of my life in fear. And I think a lot of people have. We and that do, yeah. we all do. You know, but it's like we have to be very conscious about, well, how am I living in love, right? You know, you wouldn't think you'd have to be conscious about that, but you I do. think because there is so much, there are so many lower base energies yes. that surround us. Oh yes. That can drag us down. Yes. You have to on a very conscious level every day, I think, like choose to live from a place of kindness and love. Right. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I think you're just one of those people who, whether through life experience or through that spirit that you carry with you, you're just more primed to be vulnerable. And I think that's what makes a powerful artist. Because, I mean, come on, how boring is it to see art that's not vulnerable, right? Oh, I agree. And, and, I mean, you know. (laughs) It's called classical. I mean, (laughs) we have have a lot of people who have technical merit. Right. It's valid. Mm -hmm. One of the most prime examples for me is Keith Haring. So Mm -hmm. you look at his commercial work. And, you know, the um, radiant baby. And what amazes me is that he was able to be very commercially successful. But at the same time, he's creating a mural in the LGBTQ center of New York City in like 1988, 1989 with a bunch of men having sex, full on genitalia showing and everything. And nobody (laughs) is rioting about it. That's the beauty of art. Yes. (laughs) That's the beauty right there. That's such a good example. Yeah. And, Mm. but for me, it's just how it is. Yeah. And people are like, how are you so vulnerable? And it's like, well, I was so vulnerable the day I was born and the doctors decided to have operations put on me. Wow. You know? Mm -hmm. So describe your artwork for us. Describe Hmm. like your murals. If you want, you can take one big mural that you've done recently and just help paint a picture for us of what that looks like. It's like something like deceitful optimism. (laughs) So I did a recent mural that is below one of the New Beltline trails. It is actually a very abstract send-off of that octane mural of people staring. Mm. People definitely see that as a very friendly mural, and it is. Why but do you think they see it as friendly? Because of colors. What are the colors you use Oh, my in God. That one? They're just like orange, pink, blue, yellow, like the happy, happy-dappy colors. And people see smiley faces, but they're laughing at you. Oh, wow. You know, and they're like hiding their little mm-hmm. laugh and having, and they're towering you. So, you know, they're like 20 feet tall, these like immaculate creatures, like looking down and laughing at you. Wow. It's all how you frame things. It's oh, like, it's all about perspective. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's what I want. Yeah. I want people to gain perspective because I think in Atlanta, it is a town that is very primarily based on art that is aesthetic. Mm-hmm. 
And there are some really great artists here who, you know, project their personal voices and their opinions, but there are also artists here that have purely aesthetic work. And people are used to that purely aesthetic work and don't take the time to recognize that, like, some of the artwork around you means a lot more than what you may think. But, you know, it's interesting because I think we spend a lot of time as art lovers and makers trying to define what art is. Yeah. And to me, that's a moot point. Right. Because the point is, if you make something and that's your art form yeah. and that's your art, then it's art. Right. And I, who am I right. to say what is art or right. what is not? Absolutely. And I do think that we're all walking around with hearts with little sores yeah. on them. Yeah. Right? They are. And so sometimes those sores are big enough to make vulnerable art intimidating yes. because yes. it's there to trigger us it is. and to yeah. be a mirror. Yep. So I think a lot of people, and this is a wild assumption, but who like just purely aesthetic art, it's yeah. because they're not ready no. to be triggered by no, the deep they're stuff. Not. No, they're not. And that's valid. Mm. You know, I think that's extremely valid. And if I can be a gateway for people yes. to start to get to there, because what I've found is so interesting is that I've had people who've followed me for years and you know, they they would tell me like, oh, I followed you for the work that you're doing and now all these writings and all of that, I'm really loving this, you know. It's just so much more of a deeper meaning. And I think and I and I definitely agree with you with the wounds, you know, people will not know what they want until it's in front of them. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, or they don't want to admit yeah. what they want or need. Yeah. Yeah. And Sometimes, you know, I think people see that work and it's like a light bulb maybe Mm -hmm. to them. Yes. So speaking of the different ways you've evolved as an artist in the coming years, looking at time as linear. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have aspirations for different art forms you want to embrace more, different ways you want to evolve as an artist? I'm on the track. Hmm. That's what I can say about that. At the end of the day, I don't know what's next. Yeah, none of us do. None of us do. And I have these certain goals that if folks connect the puzzle, they'll see what that is. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So mysterious. (laughs) It is and it isn't, you know. And and, uh, because some people have already picked up on that. And um, Mm -hmm. I have some ideas and I'm piloting those ideas. And... You know, my main focus right now is to continue to figure out how to use my voice and to continue to figure out how to educate people. The evolution is there. The evolution is there. It happens naturally. I think having aspirations is great, but I also admire the way that you just flow and you're flowing. And you know what? The cultured crew is going to flow with you. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to be over there cheering you on from the sidelines. So if our cultured crew wants to find you, where can they find you? Follow me on Instagram at Barry Lee Art. Thank you for being vulnerable with us, for sharing that big piece of your heart with us. Yeah. Um, I'm very grateful to know you, and thanks for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, you bet. This was fun. Thank you. Well, that interview just made my day brighter, and I am not deceiving you on that one, y'all. I feel better. I feel brighter. I feel inspired. And until our next journey into the unknown, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured! 
visit culturedpodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. Our sound engineers are Cooper Skinner and Dante Hodge, and we're recording at Listen Up Audio in Atlanta, Georgia. 